0: Gather your gear, it's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb a boat, a cryptid camp. if you're brave. Take it away, Shay.
1: Live from our cryptic camper. I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. We'd like to thank you for joining us for season one, episode eighteen of Scare Your Pants Off: Our American Road Trip. In today's episode, we're setting up camping in Iowa. How are you doing today, Tom?
2: I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Good. We're legal. I know. We're this is eighteen. This is crazy. Um yeah i'm excited for this week so um but what's new with you
1: um i feel like i might be the most boring person on earth because really not a lot i mean there's i have movies i'm looking forward to but other than that nothing <laughs> what about you what do you got going on
2: i'm just as boring i mean it's like i feel i feel like i work when i work <laughs> it's like yeah it's nothing nothing new really just been just been busy at work you know just plugging along and i um, ready for this winter to be over you know we had that crappy ice storm yesterday and it's just I'm, uh. I'm done with the cold i'm just i'm ready to be be done with it um you watch anything good recently
1: um no like the same the same old stuff like we watched uh we caught up on uh our current on 1883 ghosts i love ghosts i don't know if i, I say it. that every i feel like i say that almost every episode i love ghosts it's amazing it's so awesome. awesome
2: um have you checked out the british version of ghosts yet
1: no not yet i ha- i'm going to i have not yet but um so yeah no i feel like there's so many things like i need to check out and like everything just kind of circles around my head i'm like oh ah, but I will. I just haven't yet.
2: I there's so much out right now. I'm so behind too. It's like I'm. I'm really liking Peacemaker. Um, but uh, I, I I started that Pam and Tommy, and it, it, there's so much good shows right now. Snowpiercer's back. Snowfall, one of my favorite shows, come back in a couple weeks, and it's just God. Like you said, it's just so much going on right now. It's like I got so so much to. Um, just so much get Ozark just I love Ozark you watch Ozark so
1: okay so I just started ozark uh, ozark uh Ozark a few weeks ago and um it's we are not current we're in season two episode fourish um but it's I have to ask and i and I apologize if it's a spoiler for anybody but I have to does Wendy ever become likable I hate Wendy I hate her.
2: Oh, then you're really gonna hate her in this most. Recent oh. season. It's yeah. you, uh, you are really good, Like, uh, uh, yes, you are really real. Uh, I feel oh, like God. there was a point, maybe part of maybe it was in season three, that you kind of start to like her a little bit, but you really are, or at least I do. I'm hating her, right? I'm not, I haven't watched the whole first part of the season, I'm about like three, four episodes in, and. Yeah. I liked
1: her briefly with Buddy. I loved Buddy. Buddy was awesome. Buddy yeah. for his duration was probably my favorite character. I love Buddy. Yeah, um Buddy so was- her interactions with him, I think, are the only times so far that I've liked her at all. Um, but it's uh it's kinda very reminiscent of um <laughs> Lori from Walking Dead, and I'm just just kinda hoping something happens. But I feel like it probably yeah. isn't gonna That's yeah.
2: fine. She, I mean she's a great actress. She makes you hate her. Uh oh, but it's absolutely yeah, but it, it's it's tough at points. You're like, oh my god, I want to throttle her. Like it's just the the stuff she does. Uh I don't want to give away too much, but no no. It, it's a good show. You know, I just remembered though. If you gotta check out Arch- archive 81 on Netflix. I
1: already started it. I haven't watched a lot. I already I, I, it I, I, love it.
2: I haven't finished yet either. I'm probably four in right now, but it's like. I
1: think I've only watched the first one, maybe part of the second one. But yeah, no, it's, yep, I'm there. And I, yeah, I can't wait to dive into it again and watch some more because it's so interesting. and so cool. But
2: that's one at like at work. It's like everybody from the young guys that are like 21 to like my buddy Pete, who's in his seventies, all are just like, this show is great. It's like, it's just, it was my body told me. He's like, yeah, he's like, you check it out. He's like, I think I, you would really like it. And then I started and then a bunch of other guys like, Hey, have you been checking that out? And I was like, yeah, it, it's it's cool. That's a cool show. It's uh, yeah. if you guys are looking for something to watch. Check out archive, archive 81 and, on Netflix. It's, it's a mind fuck. It really is. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, but anyway, so this week, I have the cryptids. Time for the cryptid. Iowa, um, it doesn't have as many as some other states. Yeah, they they've got their Bigfoot, they've got their uh sea monster, their Nessie or Chesie or Normie or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh. They I think they call it a Mugwump, um, and you know a few of the other standards. But I went with one that I had never heard of. Maybe you have. Um, it's called the Van Meter Monster.
1: Uh, the name rings a bell, but honestly, not 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 a lot. So I don't I don't I don't think I know anything about it.
2: Okay, cool. So the van meter monster is a half human, half animal with enormous, smooth bat wings said to be about eight feet across. So a wingspan of approximately eight feet. It is said to have a horn in the middle of its forehead that emits a bright blinding light. I just love that little thing um it is said to move very swiftly and it leaves a repulsive putrid stench in its wake the sightings of this creature happened over the course of a few nights in the fall of 1903 the first night it was spotted flying over the roofs of the houses the second night it was seen by the town doctor and the town bank teller who who managed somehow to make a plaster cast of the monsters three toed footprints. Hmm. On the third night, a man claims to have seen him perched on a telephone pole, while another resident who had seen it said it would jump like a kangaroo and the local school teacher who had seen it said the the figure she kind of associated the figure of that of a demon that's what it 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 resembled to her the the creature resembled that of a demon so scared and intimidated by the creature the citizens of van meter followed the creature's trail to an abandoned coal mine near an old brickyard where they had heard odd noises coming from for the last couple of days while the citizens were inspecting the em- entrance to the mine the monster appeared in the company of another monster said to look like almost identical but was a smaller version of the monster, possibly a female mate or an offspring. As they stood staring in disbelief, the bigger monster fired a flash of blinding light from its horn. And this was enough <laughs> to make the citizens flee in terror. They just, they took off running back to town. And, uh. When they got back to pound town, they all, you know, got together. you know, they're all, you know, talking and freaked out a little bit, but they started to formulate a plan and they came up with the plan. So the next morning they all gather, gathered together again in the center of town. Only this time they were armed to the hilt. I mean, they had basically every piece of fire armed that this town had with them and they headed to the mine uh no yep yeah so they you know they get together they head to the mine and once they get to the mine they they see the creatures in the mine in the through the doorway and they just start opening fire they are just shooting 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 one witness said they could have sunken a whole spanish fleet with the amount that they fired into that mine Despite despite this onslaught, the monsters—they just witnesses said—they seemed unfazed. They just kind of looked at them and then they calmly retreated and descended through a gap in the mine, and they were never seen again. To this day, never been seen again. And that is the van Vieter Roster. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs>
1: what what is it the hordes of angry people shitting at these? really cool creatures that didn't do anything to you. <laughs> I don't understand it. I yeah. I get doing it in in defense and I get I do. Defend defend your stuff, defend your family, defend the people you care. Do that. I get that. But like we do we have to go Frankenstein's monster mob on everything? Is that is that what we are as humans? <laughs> is it's, it really a thing? I don't uh okay.
2: I, I'm glad you brought that up because it does seem like a, a lot of these uh cryptids that you know when the accounts from the 1800s into the early 1900s it seems like that's the go-to a lot of the time is just to start firing at the thing instead of and it's it's really really bizarre and kind of not what we would do like in this day and age we would want to catch it and you know investigate it and you know and whatever but back then in 18 and early 1900s they were just shooting shooting away (laughs)
1: And to think, so (laughs) that, that occurrence, imagine, imagine if, um, so they sound, they sound a lot, you know what a Vespertel is, or Vespertel, I think I'm saying it, um, they're, they're giant bat-like creatures that actually are said to inhabit mines, and I, I've I've never seen anything about a glowing horn, but it's very much makes me think about that, and it's a lot of, uh, it's in a lot of, like, mythology and folklore, and, um, it's they're typically found with other, alongside other creatures that, um, I can't remember what they call it, begins with a B, bee, but they're, uh, a lot of times they look like flocks, but uh, it's all I was thinking when you were saying that. I was like, that's really, really neat. Um, but it's, can you imagine if <laughs> this horde of angry villagers, is what I'm going to say now, um, went and started shooting at these things and they were unfazed and they didn't do the decent thing and just ignore us which is awesome and they decide you know what fuck you shoot at me we're gonna have a problem that's it that would have been it would have been it it would have been a totally different story but no they have some decency <laughs> they're not whatever i don't know it's people confuse me
2: no i mean that's you're, i i'm there with you and um i never heard of those creatures but uh you, you had brought up I, what I really liked about it was that glowing light coming out of the horn. Yeah,
1: it's like they almost adapted to like like mine life. It's it's like a miner's helmet almost,
2: right? Oh, that is such a good point. Like seriously, yes, that it, it is. It's almost like a miner's light. Like yeah. I mean, I, like that they they evolved like that. That's really really cool. Like I yeah, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of that. Like, of all that's, I like that a lot because that's almost like a way. And they're finding a mine shaft, and then they, and, they mm-hmm. and right in the center, this horn. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot.
1: So it's funny. And I do this, I do this thing whenever I hear someone talk about the word smooth. I, I hear, it, you know, they you could tell that the, its wings were smooth and stuff like that. And I know, please understand that I know smooth is a look too. You can have a smooth, textured look but for some reason in my head every time someone says well they have smooth wings or smooth this i'm like who is getting up there and going like (laughs) very smooth like but that's immediately where i go and i know that's not what they mean but for some reason in my head some brave person was like oh like this yep that is lovely smooth that's (laughs) what i
2: picture but that's so soft that's funny that's really funny (laughs) Uh, all right
1: so yeah no great cryptid great choice that was awesome i i've never yeah no i've never heard of that and i love really i love anything that has to do with like the mines and the caves because it's i know it's i know it's in our world but it's it's like its own
2: yes
1: own different world it's it's so it's so cool it's us you know, short of being like underwater, there's nothing on earth we can experience as wildly different as our, our day-to-day as being like a cave or a mine or something like that. But
2: Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, so I have the hunting today. Time for the hunt. And I'm going to take you to Velisca, Iowa for it. Uh, before I start, this is not something that we typically do. It's not something I really feel like we need to typically do. Um but I'm I actually want to put out a trigger warning today. And um I know we always talk about there's houses that have murders and and schools and, and and all that stuff. But today's episode is particularly graphic and has to do with pretty brutal murder and involving very young children. So If that's not something you're up for listening to today or at all skip ahead to the next episode Um, fast forward if you want to any other part of this podcast but what's gonna come is is pretty brutal and um, in really just researching it and and reading it aloud to myself it's 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 even a little hard to talk about Um, but The story I feel like is something that should be told and it's such an interesting story and the history is it's so unique and even in its brutality it's it it really is a very unique and captivating story but so again trigger warning if it's not something you're up for today we understand no offense taken please do what's best for you and and check out our next episode all right so we're going to check out the Feliska Axe Murder House, and the house was originally owned by the Moore family. Uh, the Moore family consists of parents uh, Josiah and Sarah, aged 43 and 39 at death, and uh, their four children, who, were, who was Herman, Mary Catherine, Arthur Boyd, and Paul Vernon, all aging from 5 to 11 at the time of death Herman being the oldest and Paul Vernon being the youngest so the house was purchased the house was built in 1867 and it was purchased by the Moore family in 1903 and from 1903 until 1912 this family seemingly had a pretty happy average American everyday life um on June 9th, Mary Catherine had two friends that were going to stay over for a sleepover, Ina May and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, eight and 12 years old. The two Stillinger girls in the Moore family would spend the day at a children's event at the church that the family regularly attended. The Moore family and the two sisters who were intended to be guests for the night would walk back to the moore house when it was over at 9 30 and they would get there between 9 45 and 10 pm now it is believed that on june 10th sometime between 12 a.m and 5 a.m that um every one of the eight people that are sleeping in the house that night would perish uh violently so yeah so again like i said trigger warning this is why um i'm gonna go into details about the murder because it is part of the history of the house and if anybody can see my arms i have goosebumps like crazy um okay so on june 10th at 7 a.m a neighbor uh became mildly alarmed when she realized that the moors had not come outside and began their morning chores and that's very unlike them apparently so She went over and she knocked on the door to check on them and there was no answer. She did the very neighborly thing and she went into the yard and let the chickens out and uh, then went back to the door and knocked again. And there was still no answer. So she tried the doorknob to go in because she was going to check on them because it it really just seemingly was not like them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the door was locked. So I could be wrong. But if I think to 1912, and just from different shows and movies and decades and just things you excuse me sorry different things you read it doesn't feel like locked doors are a super common thing especially in a neighborhood that is probably otherwise very peaceful
2: yeah Um, you would because you always hear about that even in the 50s the doors weren't locked and this is way earlier than that and like you this sounds like a close-knit community like they knew oh they're not out doing their morning chores
1: yeah so let me let the chickens out
2: yeah they know each other's schedules so you you would think that it that that is that would strike me as strange too yeah that it's locked
1: and she went to try the doorknob too which makes me feel like that is something that yeah. was commonplace it was you know you give a little knock hey i'm here and yeah. that's and that's how things seemingly were um once she found out that the door was locked she actually became very concerned and called josiah's brother Uh, when josiah's brother arrived he also knocked on the door called out to his brother and there was no answer um so he used he actually had a spare key so he used his key to enter the house now i haven't seen the house i haven't been there uh, but it's my understanding that from the door as you enter the house there's the parlor and the first door that he opened uh was a guest room and the guest room revealed uh the lifeless bodies of the stillinger sisters and an axe belonging to josiah so yeah i know obviously i know immediately where your mind is gonna go and it's immediately your mind Mine is also gonna go, but it was not Josiah. I'm gonna come out and say that now, so you're not thinking it the whole time, but it was not Josiah. Okay. And for anybody still listening, this is where it starts to get very vivid. So just, if you're still listening, know that it's coming. Uh, Villisca's primary peace officer was called in and went in to further investigate the house. It was decided that Mr. and Mrs. Moore and their four children and their two young house guests were all bludgeoned to death with an axe. What makes this whole story even a little bit eerie is the fact that they actually found two cigarette butts in the attic and no one in the house smoked and they were recently smoked. So it's, yeah, very creepy. And it led led the authorities to believe that killer or killers uh there's a possibility and probability even that there was more than one uh laid in wait for everybody else to fall asleep so after everybody fell asleep the killers started in the master bedroom The one and only time they used the blade of the axe was to kill Josiah and it was multiple blows taken to his face with the blade of the axe. For reference and really to get the image and to fully understand this, they struck him so many times in the face that he had no eyes left, there was none. yeah. So yeah. The blunt side of the axe would be used on the other seven victims and it's obviously the, the blade of the axe is awful and it's and it's brutal and it's disgusting but can you just think about the force oh. and how many more times you're going to have to take a blow with the blunt side of the axe as opposed to the blade oh. side of the axe it's it's a whole different ball game really oh, um
2: that's brutal yeah.
1: mm-hmm. Uh, so Josiah and Sarah were believed the first to die, and then their children Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul were the next because they were on the same floor. Uh, it's believed that after killing the four more children, that they went back to the master bedroom to take a few more blows. I don't know if that means that one of them was still alive somehow, or or if it was just just for kicks. I I don't. I can't even begin to know why that thought process would happen in someone is let's go back and. Do that a little more Um, yeah so. They would then go downstairs and kill Ina who was the youngest of the two sister house guests. And she was still asleep like the other children Uh, Lena, however, appears to have woken up and tried to fight back at 12 years old. So she is 12 years old and fighting for her life. And I can't, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, she was found laying across the bed and she had defensive wounds on her arms and hands. There's a little more that was different about the way she was found other than the defensive, the defensive, sorry, the defensive wounds and the fact that she obviously was not still asleep when it happened. And it's the fact that her nightgown was found up over her waist and she had on no undergarments, which was not. Typical and this led people, the police to believe that an assault was not just likely, but probable so yeah. Um, Numerous people were suspected and some were even tried, but everybody was either acquitted or exonerated and. I'm going to leave that portion of the story now and we're going to go into the hauntings because i'm I'm not going to name any of the suspects because. I'm not going to give them time. Uh, we're going to talk about the family and the victims and and the haunting and that's going to be who we're going to give air time to. The claims are actually, some of them are pretty standard. You have uh, there's claims that uh, toys and trinkets will move across rooms across the floor, you'll hear like a ball rolling and stuff like that. Paranormal investigators have visited this house, you can actually Um, by a night stay for your team at this house um, to investigate. And paranormal investigators have caught EVPs and EMFs, which are electronic voice phenomenon, and uh, electromagnetic field. Um, They've had very high sporadic uh, readings in that. And some of the claims that are kind of cool is they actually hear children chattering and laughing which wow as yeah as awful as that whole situation is it's it's it almost makes it feel like there might be some peace hopefully and there's you know some happiness that you know was more reminiscent of what it felt like their life might have been before that night so um there is an occasion that they have heard crying but that's not necessarily because of that, it, children cry, babies cry, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, so it's the the laughter is really my favorite claim there because I feel yeah. I, I feel like hopefully they're they're at least living the happier time before that again. So but that's my story. That's my Veliska X murder story, and yeah, that's it.
2: Wow. Great choice i you. you know only had a passing familiarity with it i didn't know any other story um the sheer brutality the sheer brutality of this crime mm. i mean that brutality and that it like it makes sense why this place would be haunted with all that negative energy although the laughter that is sweet and that's nice and everything but the fact that there's entities at all it makes sense to me um Mm -hmm. because that's just so much negative energy right there and i mean god damn that brutality to that uh i i was kind of trying to make notes as we were going i mean i this is and this is common like back then when you hear about crimes it's like the cigarette butts it's like yeah back because everybody smoked back in the day it's like for me, if I'm lying and wait about to commit a crime, I don't think I'd be smoking cigarette butts, especially because these people didn't smoke. You would walk in this house and you'd be yeah. like, hey, this doesn't smell like cigarette so, And But, you know, that it, not really important. It just, I find it weird when I hear that because it's just like, it, it's common. Yeah, uh, I, I wrote about the sh- uh, sheer brutality of it. Okay, the, you know, killing the father with no eyes, you know, to the point where there's no eyes, but then, use the other side of the axe to kill the rest of the people in the house the rest of the family and the uh, and the two other children in the house is a, a, a type of brutality that it's it's evil like that's some yeah. evilness and then that po- the, the sexual assault it's like I mean oh god it's you know whether it was pre or post death it just just adds yeah. an- another layer to it so it's just wow wow it's a lot it was like one of those where you're like you were like oh they're the same thing i was just like yeah I feel it. it just what a sad sad story and i'm glad you didn't give any 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 ear time any oxygen to any of the the suspects because that's not what it's about it's Mm -hmm. you know if you want that it's go to it and i love true crime podcasts and everything but that's where you would get that type of information guys we're here for the paranormal stuff and um but yeah great story i'm glad you put out the disclaimer so guys yeah if you know fast forward Listen to a different episode because yes, and and if there's kids around, have them leave the room because that's yep. yeah. But great choice though, great choice. I Thank uh, you. I really enjoyed that. All right, so I had the strange encounter this week. Time for the strange encounter. And I know I ask you every every week and you know the answer differs and but i'm gonna assume you you haven't heard of this one but i'm still gonna ask you have you heard of the close encounter at big lake park
1: no that does not ring a
2: bell yeah it's not super well known but i thought it was kind of interesting so i was fairly a fairly active state for ufo and strange encounters uh you know somewhere probably in the middle you know it's not in the top 10 it's not in the bottom 10. um but you know they have instances uh, you know a lot of more recent ones are just kind of like you know quick little video oh i saw this fly through the sky or whatever but this one has a little more meat to the bone so that's why it shows it and i wasn't i wasn't familiar with this so <laughs> On the evening of December 17th, 1977, at around 7.45 p.m., 11 independent witnesses claimed to see a reddish object or fireball falling from the sky. Three, young, three of these witnesses, which were three young people on their way to the Richard Gordman store, which I assume is sort of like a convenience store in the town like probably sells everything from you know milk and eggs to guns and ammo and stuff is what i'm assuming i could be wrong on that and if you know of richard gordman hey shoot us a message or leave a comment on the video let us know what richard gordman uh, store is all about but uh so they're on their way to the store this store and when they saw the reddish object falling falling from the sky, straight down, like at 90 degrees, not coming at an angle or anything, falling straight down at a fairly at a fairly high rate. Um, and they were watching and watching it, and they watched it until it eventually dis- disappeared behind the trees of Big Lake Park. The, after it disappeared, it was followed by a, a bright, bluish-white flash of light, and then they said two arms... I'm assuming like two straight up, maybe columns of fire shooting about 10 feet in the air. So, curious, the three drove to the park to investigate. When they they arrived, they claimed to see a glowing orange blob with a bluish crystalline substance in its center. One witness said it resembled a giant sparkler. Um, They claimed that lava-like material was running down the dike, appearing to slow as it cooled. It was too hot to touch and ignited a small grass fire. Another couple who had seen the object hovering and and then fall also drove to the park to get a closer look. They also, I don't know if it was at the park or uh on the side of the road they also summoned or called the fire department and when the fire chief uh, Mr. Jack Moore arrived about fifteen minutes later, the object was still glowing and he said that molten metal was covering a six by four area and was approximately like four inches thick so, Fire Chief Moore called the po- called the police, and while on the phone with the police, he was trying to describe the metal, and he didn't know what kind it was. He described it as a metal that you can you can't break or bend. Um, after he got off with the police, he contacted Epley Airfield, uh, local airport, and Offutt Air Force Base, but both claimed to know nothing about it and the air force even just denied that a crash had happened at all that nothing crashed nothing came out of the sky that was just no nothing there even Mm -hmm. though (laughs) he's standing right in front of the thing so yeah um which you know air force base i think it's you know it kind of happens with them oh yeah Uh, he (laughs) uh the fire chief just got the impression they were not interested they did not want to deal with it whatever it was they just they didn't care so um six other witnesses claimed to see some version of this bright red object fall from the sky and behind the trees of uh big lake park like i said there was about 11 total witnesses so what was it the uh the metal was analyzed and it was found to be a simple high carbon steel that is common, commonly used in manufacturing. Um, you know, very you, pretty common here on Earth. Um, so after this report came out about the steel, a lot of people uh, began to believe it was a hoax perpetrated. By the first three witnesses, the people in that small little car that witnessed it and drove there, um, but uh, Jack, uh, the fire chief, Mr. Jack Moore, was uh, was not buying this. Does not believe this to to be the case at all. Because, like, if you remember, just like I said, it was a six by four area of molten metal about four inches thick, um. So that's fairly big. They you had a tiny car, and the metal was estimated to be at about 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's no way yeah. they could have transported that in a. Like I said, like I think the the car was actually described as a tiny foreign car. um there's I mean, even in a big car, you're not doing that because the. I mean, six by four is fairly big, four inches thick, but the 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. You couldn't be near that. You couldn't. No, like, there would
1: be no car left. There would be nothing. It, like I don't, I don't even it, know how that was a thought.
2: Yeah, that, that. Thank you. That is exactly why uh the fire chief Moore was like, no, absolutely not. So one, uh, one last theory I'll talk about is uh, a little bit later. A uh, one, Doctor Jacques F valley a computer scientist who is also a ufologist um has uh had at that time compiled a database of thousands of sightings and he said there are at least nine other incidents like this that have happened worldwide um and his theory is that the aerial object the ufo the uap whatever you want to to call it was actually in distress and and damaged, and it was uh, ejecting this molten metal, because um, of because of the damage, and he thinks that the molten the ejected metal was actually part of a metal electrical system that powered the UFO, and uh, so almost like a gas, like it was their gas or whatever, you know. Um, and while we don't have this type of technology um, he believes that any sort of advanced civilization i'm not talking like extremely advanced where they're teleporting or anything but anybody that's you know more advanced than we are would probably have some sort of technology like this so um that was his theory that it was the, the da- it was it was damaged and that is essentially it for the the close encounter at Big Lake Park. I mean, there was yeah
1: that's that was awesome. That's a great no, that was a great that was a great choice. It's funny to me, I can't i I can't believe how much effort seems to go into even now, back then, all the way till now, how much effort seems to go into like, making sure nobody or trying to make sure nobody believes that this could possibly be something out of this world and it's it's baffles me to this day why it still happens and it's it's crazy but that's, that's such a cool story and i can't i don't even know why would they assume anyone in their right mind would believe that they're gonna where are they gonna put that where are they gonna carry that they can gonna throw it in their backpack they i mean even in a big truck even in in a big 18 wheeler it's going to eat through the truck it's going and- to eat through
2: yeah, exactly, and on top of that, it's how were they gonna know that that exact night there would be a fireball in the sky? I just thought of this now as you were talking, like, because yeah. I mean, are they just every night driving around with this this liquid metal, hoping something's gonna fall from the sky? And they're like, yes, finally we can we can get our hoax on, and uh, you know, it's like it just because I mean so th- there was eight other witnesses aside from them that actually saw it in the sky and falling so it's yeah, yeah. like it is it is amazing how how quickly how fast and quickly they do try to tan you know just turn everything into a hoax and you know it just, yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting little story I'd never heard of it and I was like, you know for a short little story, there's kind of a lot of meat to that bone and um I yeah thought it was- on um i had never heard of it and yeah that's uh pretty interesting oh, that actually
1: that was that was really really good um i wanted to touch back on your cryptid for a second because i know i brought yeah. up i just wanted to look it up and kind of re- make sure i was saying the right thing um yeah. so a vesper trail i still don't know if that's how you pronounce it because i've only ever read the word and that's one of those things you know sam Haynes. saw when you, you read it you, you don't really know how to say it Yeah. Um, but that basically is derivative derivative of a word that basically just means it's crepuscular it's so it's it is thought to be a bat like creature and stuff like you do, do you know what
2: crepuscular is no i do not
1: so uh crepuscular is uh, active at twilight and dawn it's oh, okay. uh, so nocturnal is active at night diurnal I think it's diurnal, yeah, diurnal is active during the day, and crepuscular is uh, active at twilight, so that's actually what that means, so that oh, wouldn't God. 100% fit, I just thought it was cool that it was in a, like a mine or a cave-ish type area, and it, you know, the bat like thing, and so, but yeah, I wanted to touch on that again, because I know I brought it up, so.
2: Oh, nice, nice, glad you did, I'm glad you did. Yeah.
1: But I don't know, you got anything else for me today?
2: No, I think that's it.
1: All right, folks, well, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, tune in again next week when we set up camp in Pennsylvania. Until then, happy camping.
2: Thanks, guys. Bye.
0: As always, our host would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at Pod. No spaces, or on Twitter, scare your pants off podcast, or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail. See you next time.